Yeah. Well, today we are continuing, finishing up our series called Opening Joy. Uh, can you say Opening Joy this morning? Thank you. Yes, appreciate that, Griffin. That was uh, excited. <laughs> I love that my kids are right here up front. This is going to be awesome. So, Opening Joy. Uh, in the first week of this series, entitled Opening Joy, we looked at a five-step process for opening joy in joyless times, for opening joy in our lives whenever we're facing difficult circumstances. Last week, we looked at opening joy, uh, opening true joy and some counterfeits, some things that offer joy but that don't provide true lasting joy. So let's look at why we're doing this series during the Christmas season. It all comes from Luke Chapter 2, whenever the angels showed up to the shepherds, all right, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, reassured the shepherds in the fields. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So the story of Christmas is the story of joy. The story of Christmas is the story of Jesus coming to earth so that there would be joy available to all people. We've said this every single week in this series and saying it again today. Every single one of us can know true joy by truly knowing Jesus. Every one of us can know true joy, no matter what uh, circumstances we face in life, by truly knowing Jesus. Uh, Nolan is mimicking my hand movements as I talk, so uh, this this is going to be fun, Uh, having him right here, having him right here with me. But everyone can truly know joy by truly knowing Jesus. Well, today, we're finishing up this series, and I've titled today's talk, Opening Joy by Understanding Emmanuel. Opening joy by understanding Emmanuel. See, the book of Isaiah and the book of Matthew call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So how does that truth transform our lives? How does the truth of Christmas, the story of Christmas, that God is with us every single day, transform us? How does that change us? You know, uh, Christmas is a time of opening gifts. Ever since I was born, I've opened gifts on Christmas. Uh, our family opened gifts. There were times where we had lots of gifts, and there were times where we didn't have as many gifts, you know, depending on the year we had as a family. Uh, even now, having kids, there are times where we have lots of gifts, and there's times where we have, uh, don't have a lot of gifts. You know, and the th- probably hundreds, if not thousands of gifts I've opened over the years, from birthdays and Christmases and watching kids open gifts and all this stuff, of all those gifts... I honestly, like, I don't remember that many. Something wrong, bro? Oh, no, okay. Uh, I just don't remember that many gifts. Like, I don't remember that many that I've opened. I don't remember uh, too much of what we've given to each other over the years. Yet, there are a handful of items, a handful of gifts that I've opened or that I've received that were game changers. Like, just a handful, I mean, of 35 years of life, 35 birthdays, 35 Christmases. There's only a handful of gifts that were game changers, but there were some gifts that were game changers. I remember it was, I think, four or five years ago now, four years ago, I think, uh, 
when Brooke and I, for Christmas, we splurged, we had been saving up, and we got each other a king-size bed. Let me tell you, having four children and getting a king-size bed was a game-changer. I had not slept in 12 years up until that point. We got a king-size bed, and I slept all... (laughs) Griffin said that's not true. (laughs) He doesn't understand the nuance. But like, I didn't get a full night's sleep without waking up, right? For 12 years, we got this king-size bed. And I remember waking up the next morning and not... I hadn't woken up at all during the middle of the night. And I looked over to Brooke, and I was like, oh, none of the kids came in the bed with us. And I looked over, and there was two of them in the bed with us. It's like, oh, this thing is amazing. Why did we not do this years ago? Like, it was a game changer. Game changer. Uh, Earlier this year, uh, my father-in-law, Brooke's uh, Brooke's dad, he gave us a gift randomly in the summer. uh, And he gave us something that I've always desired, but we've never had. And that was a recliner for our living room. Let me tell you, that, that chair, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I sit in that chair. Every, even, I have like a little office area where I usually do my, my God time. And I'd kind of moved it. And I was just sitting in the chair. And Brooke goes, are you ever going to sit in the office and do your God time in there anymore? And I was like, maybe. But look, I mean, this chair, like, it's a, I don't ever want. And so I started calling it my chair. I've claimed it as my chair, even though it was Brooke's dad who gave it probably more to her. But it's my chair now. Like I've claimed, is a game changer. I remember a few years back when we were living in Oregon and we got season passes to the science center. Now, if you'd have told me that getting a season pass to a science center would have been a game changer, I'd have said like, really, like the science center? Let me tell you, it was amazing. It was awesome. And it, it, because of, like, the reciprocal program, we got into the Children's Museum. We got into the Airplane Museum. We got into, uh, like, three different science museums in Seattle and in Portland. And we went to them all the time. I mean, it completely opened up uh, our entire family dynamic. And we started going. We, we loved it. It was a game changer. I remember back when I was, I think, I don't know, 8, 10 years old or something, and my parents gave my brother and I a snow skiing trip. And they took us to Colorado, and we went snow skiing. And that was a game changer, because up until that point, I hadn't been around mountains like that. I hadn't been around snow, had never gone skiing. And I'd been skiing countless times. We ended up moving to Colorado when we first got married because of this love of the mountains. It was a game changer. Well, the story of Christmas is the story of the greatest gift being given to humanity for all time, and it was a game changer. It was a game changer. Jesus coming to earth, changed the game for all time. Not only did it change the, the Israelites' uh, livelihood, it changed their everyday, but it changed all of history. My entire family is now mocking my hand movements uh, as I speak, so uh, this is going to be really fun. No, <laughs> it is fun. I'm, I'm so glad. I mean, preaching to an empty room, this is better. Uh, what am I talking about? Yeah, Jesus coming to earth was a game changer. And a part of that was what happened when Jesus came to earth, this this gift that was a game changer. It was him coming into the flesh and becoming Emmanuel, which means God with us. No longer did God descend on the Holy Spirit, you know, God the Spirit descend on people and then uh, leave. But since when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead and then his Holy Spirit came, he is with us every single moment of every single day. Now, sometimes I think we don't even understand the gravity of this because this is our reality every single day when we chose to become 
uh, choose to follow Jesus. We became believers. The Holy Spirit is in us. He is with us all the time. But before Jesus came to earth, that wasn't the case. We didn't have the closeness and the nearness that we have uh, with God now. The Israelites did not have that in the Old Testament. So in Matthew chapter 1, this is where we get Emmanuel. This is, you know, the Christmas story, the events leading up to Jesus uh, being uh, born on earth. Verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. All right? So we know that Mary was a virgin whenever she uh, became pregnant with Jesus, and uh, she went and told Joseph that she was pregnant, and Joseph understandably, right, might not have believed her, but even then maybe thought she was a little crazy, but it, it understandably was like, well, I don't think I'm going to marry this woman anymore because she's pregnant with a child that's not mine. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, this is the message through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want to show you this morning the power of understanding Emmanuel, of understanding God is with us. I want us to see how living with an understanding of God is with us every moment of every day will open up joy inside the depths of our being. And it all has to do with how we approach God. How we view God in our lives, how we approach our relationship with God, how we approach God's relationship with us. So first, we're going to look at three incorrect approaches to God. Now, all three of these approaches to God, they have some truth in them, and so we can easily be deceived by them. We can easily live with these approaches, but they're incorrect. So we're going to look at the approach and then a problem with that approach. A lot of this comes from a book called With. Uh, reimagining our relationship with God. If you want to dive deep into this idea, uh, you can always read that later. But the first approach, first incorrect approach to God is this. Living life under God. Basically, in this approach, God is a cranky dictator who's most concerned with our behavior. Living life under God. I mean that God is up here, he's above, and that we are under him. And he's up there it's somewhere in the sky looking down on earth and he's saying are they doing good or are they doing bad down there that he's just watching and he's waiting for us to mess up and he's just waiting for us to mess up so he can bring judgment on our heads you know this is kind of like maybe the old christmas song you better watch out you better not cry you better not pout i'm telling you why god is coming to town right he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been good. He knows, yeah, bad or good. Sorry, thank you, Ethan. He knows it when you've been bad or good, so you better be good for goodness sake. If not, God's going to come and get you, right? This approach to God is living life 
under God. Sadly, many Christians all over the world fall into this approach. That God is to be feared and that the rules are to be followed relentlessly. And if we follow them just perfect enough, if we do everything just perfect enough, then maybe, just maybe, God won't punish us. Just maybe God will bless us. But if we don't follow these rules relentlessly, if we don't legalistically get everything right every time, then for sure God is going to judge us harshly and he's going to dole out punishment. This idea that God is up in the sky and that we are under his, under his reign and we're under his judgment, his wrath at all times. Like I said, there's some truth. God is to be feared and we're to respect him with a reverence. But when we live our lives always viewing God as above and us under him, we fall into the trap of maybe being moral Christians but we're only seeking God to avoid punishment. Living life under God does not deliver us from fear, and it doesn't connect us to God. It doesn't connect us in relationship with Him. It doesn't deliver us from fear. It creates more fear. The second incorrect approach to God is living life from God. In this approach, basically, God is a divine butler, or maybe He's a holy vending machine that he dispenses the things that we desire. You know, there's a huge group of uh, Christians, sadly, who believe this incorrect theology, that God exists simply to meet our needs and to fulfill our desires. Living life from God, that God exists to give me what I want and to give me what I desire. The problem with this is, this approach is it creates consumer Christians that are selfish self-centered, egotistical in nature, and it's all about me, me, me. They're only seeking God for what they can get. Now, the third incorrect approach to God, I think, may be one of the most deceiving, uh, one of the most difficult for well-meaning Christians to differentiate from the true approach to God. Because this third approach, it's altruistic, it's pious, and it seems on the surface to really be true. There's a lot of things in Scripture we could point to to have this type of approach to God. And number three, the third incorrect approach is living life for God. And I'm going to live my life for God. In this approach, God is a rigorous personal trainer who is most concerned with accomplishing mission. The mission is the most important thing, and he's most concerned with this. In this approach, God exists to train us, to whip us into shape, to get us out there to impact others. God's that guy who has had eight Red Bulls pushing you to constantly do more, be more. It's never enough. You can't ever rest. Basically, it's CrossFit for Jesus 24-7, 365. Like I said, I think this, this last approach is the, probably the, the most difficult to differentiate be, from the real approach because it seems really healthy. But what this approach does is it creates zealous Christians who are simply seeking God for new assignments. And they often do things for God without really knowing God. They do great things for God, but they don't personally know God. Jesus warned about this in Matthew 7, 22, 23. Jesus said on Judgment Day, many are going to stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. Jesus, look at all the good stuff we've done. And Jesus is going to reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. 
We didn't know one another. In this approach, living life for God, the focus is not God himself. It's about what I do for God. With this focus, living life for God, it creates exhausted, worn out Christians. Not a fulfilling relationship, not a joy-filled, life-giving, loving relationship with God. It produces exhausted people, people who have very little joy and very little margin to enjoy God himself. And I know from personal experience, lots of you, and hearing your stories, and sitting with you, and talking, and praying together, and discussing life, many of us have fallen into this trap. I know many of us in this, in our church family, have been burned out by doing good things, by doing ministry, by volunteering every day of the week, and and, and doing good things for God, but we become stressed out, exhausted, burned out, and worn out, because the approach is all about doing things for God, and not enjoying the presence of God and just being with God. Like I said earlier, one of the major challenges is all three of these approaches have a lot of truth in them. Life under God. Should we fear God in a healthy, reverent way? Absolutely. Yes. Life from God. Does God want to bless us? Absolutely. God wants to bless us. He desires to bless us. And sometimes he does bless us. Life for God. Does God invite us into his mission? Yes, absolutely. We get to do lots of things for the mission of God. But when these three approaches become our primary approach, our primary goal, or our primary understanding, they actually lead us away from Emmanuel. They lead us away from God is with us. They lead us away from the relationship that God desires to have which each, which, with each and every one of us. You know, personally, Growing up, my approach, most of the time, was life under God. Like, I was afraid that I was going to be punished for my bad behavior. And I've told you this story uh, before. But I used to walk around, and I would repent. Like, I had this little prayer of repentance that I would say hundreds of times in a day. Because I literally thought, if I did something wrong, if I sinned and hadn't repented for it, even if I didn't know I had sinned, if I had done something wrong and hadn't asked God for forgiveness, that if I died, I wouldn't make it into heaven. Like if Jesus came back, that one single accidental fib would send me to hell for eternity. Like this idea all growing up was that God was trying to, ju- he, was, he wasn't waiting to, to do things good for me. He wasn't desiring to lead me into a great plan. For me growing up, he was waiting to punish me. And I lived my life under God. As a pastor, man, there's been so many times I've fallen into this third approach, living life for God. Like, I want to do things for you, God, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I can easily fall into this approach that my life is, a, is lives sacrificially in service for God, which there's a lot of truth to that, but I can become exhausted and I can wear myself out doing things for God if I don't have the right approach, which, number four, what Christmas is all about, the correct approach to God, is to live life with God. To live life with God. Jesus came to earth. He was called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The purpose of Christmas was so that Jesus could come and dwell on this earth with us so he could die on the cross for our sins, so that he could be risen from the dead, he could raise from the dead, he could live eternally, and then he could send the Holy Spirit to live with us every single day. God with us approaches God as a loving father 
who is primarily concerned with relationship. God's primary concern for us is to be in relationship with us. The things we do for God and accomplish in his mission are secondary to relationship. He wants us to live life with him. He wants us to be in an intimate relationship with him. To have ongoing conversations with him. To be in his presence. And sometimes God's desire for us is to just sit and be together. When was the last time you just sat with Jesus and you were just together? with God. You were in his presence and you were just with him. He wants to live with us. His primary desire is to be with us through the hurts, through the celebrations, in the blessings, and in the challenges. His desire is to live life with us. Life with God is a life filled with joy and peace. We've talked about in this series opening joy. How do we open joy in our lives? by having the correct approach to God, living life with God. God desires to be our closest friend, our best friend. God desires not to just, he's not waiting to punish us. He doesn't just exist to give us blessings. He doesn't just want us to accomplish his mission. He wants us to be together with him. How do we open joy? We approach God as Emmanuel, that he wants to talk with us, to commune with us, to fellowship with us with us. Life with God is a life filled with joy no matter the circumstances. See, worry and fear are the enemy of true joy. Sometimes we can be worried that about external factors. A lot of times as believers we can be worried that we're appeasing God. Worry and fear are the enemy of true joy. Worry and fear disappear whenever we live our lives with We open true joy in our lives when we understand that Jesus came to earth so that God could be with us at all times, every single day. Hebrews chapter 13. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? If you're a follower of Jesus, then you know God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. You can say with confidence, God is your helper, so you have nothing to fear. What can mere people do to me? What can mere people do to me? God is with us. He wants to live our lives with him. He'll never abandon us. We open joy when we choose to accept the invitation from God to live life with him. We open joy when we accept God's invitation, when we accept the invitation of Christmas to live life with God. I want to encourage you over these next few days leading up to Christmas, all right? You know, it's time where we get to spend time with family. In normal years, it's busy right? Things are going on all the time. It's busy and we're going here to there. Maybe this year it's not for you because of the pandemic. Maybe it's a little bit more of a chill season. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's even busier. I don't know. But I want to encourage you, whatever the next few days looks like, sometime between now and Christmas, to carve out a little bit of time to just sit and be with Jesus. Just sit and be with Jesus. Maybe even for you, 
That's not reading scripture. Maybe that's not even presenting requests and praying. Maybe it's sitting still in silence and just being with Jesus. Maybe you can't sit still in silence because your mind goes too much and so you need to read scripture to kind of focus. Maybe Whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you just to sit and be with Jesus and think about maybe some of the ways your life reflects one of the incorrect approaches to God instead of the correct approach, which is God with us. Josh, would you go ahead and come on up and start playing? God sent Jesus to earth to bring light and life to us. Jesus came to earth to be the light of the world. And Jesus said that as his followers, now we are the light of the world. We're the light of the world, not when we're doing things for God, but when we're doing things with God. Remember in Matthew, people came to on judgment day, they're going to come to Jesus. I did all these things for you. And he says, no, no, I, I didn't know you. We're the light of the world when we live our lives with God. Now, in a moment, we're going to transition into the candle lighting. And the whole candle lighting uh, portion of our service and what we do at Christmas time every year is to represent that Jesus is the light of the world. And if he lives inside of us, that we become that light. So if you're online with us, uh, Josh is going to play. I'm going to reposition the camera here in a minute so you can see him and the words and all that. But uh, Maddie, if you could do me a favor and get ready for the worship lyrics, but also if you could turn off the lights in the back uh, so that we can do the candle lighting. So since we're social distancing, you all have candles on your table. And some of the, most of the tables have a lighter on them. Uh, but if it doesn't have a lighter on it, then I'll come by in just a moment and, uh, and light the candles. Uh, thank you, Maddie. That's great. So Josh is going to start off singing Silent Night, Holy Night. It's all about how when Jesus came to earth, he brought his light to every single one of us. So would you guys stand with me this morning? I'm going to say a prayer. And then uh, I'm going to light the candle, my candle, and then we'll <laughs> light our candles and worship together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we worship you. God, we thank you so much that you desire to live life with us. That in all of your power and in all of your glory, that you're not up in heaven just watching things unfold, but you are right with us every moment of every day. I pray that the truth of Christmas would transform not just our Sunday mornings, but would transform our every day. We would live our lives with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And we thank you that since you live with us and in us, that we become that light. In Jesus' name.